0: Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin
1: Parker, one of your hosts. I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene or day by day, until the end of time.
0: I don't have any other bits. I want to get immediately into this episode. Let's do it. Uh, but before we can do that, uh, please excuse me. I do need to put on my podcasting tie. Um, Very nice. <laughs> Is that what you wanted? That's God? what I just went and got, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to go do that. I mean, I did I did genuinely have to get a drink. Nerd. And then I forgot uh, that I had a bit set up for this. That's so good. I'm also going to stop recording secretly on my phone. There we go. Um, okay, here we go. So, folks, uh, this is Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 5, starting at 5 minutes and 56 seconds and ending at the end of the episode. But you're going to continue to watch uh, into Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 6, starting at 105, basically after the recap and ending at 2.32. Also, to be clear, I am actually wearing a tie over top of a sure. Bill's jersey, which is, that's a look. Um, And uh, here is what happens in the scene. Calvin Chadwick wakes up in the middle of the night to find Frost muttering in her sleep. Terrified of her, he sneaks out of bed to gather clothes when suddenly she just appears behind him, scaring the daylight's out of him. He's like, (laughs) and he doesn't quite say anything, but he's just like, (laughs) you know, and then he's like (laughs) panting after that. Right. And she says, good, you're awake. I need your help. (laughs) Later at the county cold storage, secure, frozen, cold and dry storage, Peggy and Jarvis break in. My favorite bit is how they need to be covert. So they're in an alleyway going through the vent, but Peggy does just throw the vent cover completely onto the ground with a loud clang. Um and I'm wearing a tie by the way because they have a lovely little exchange of lines where she's going to, you know, go through the vent and she goes, you know, reaches her hand out to get him up he goes me in the vent and she's like, "Yes, you did that is the reason why you put on your recreational tie, is it not?" So I, that's why I had to put on my podcasting tie.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, and he's like, uh, 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 mm. and then after you know a little bit of deliberation, he takes a hand and he gets out there. And then the whole time he's like, what if there's spiders? Uh, and she's like, you'll be fine, Mr. Jarvis, right? Anyway, so they are about to then drop into the room where Jane Scott's body is being held when they hear voices. How's my phone falling? Sorry. Uh, it's Calvin and Whitney. Whitney says that the body called to her. Calvin opens it up, and Whitney touches the body. Should you be doing that? Yes, I need to. Draining all of the zero matter out of her. Her eyes go black, and when she comes to, she says, I need an atomic bomb. Back at Starks, Wilkes explains that that as a scientist, she knows that in order to get more zero matter, she must replicate the exact parameters of the previous experiment that led to the rift in zero matter. To complicate things, the bombs that she needs are Roxons. After 1946, the two remaining bombs were put into storage. Despite it being classified where the bombs are housed, Jarvis reveals that Stark's corporate espionage uh, might just show which one is the right one. There's a back and forth about how they are going to get into this fortress. That is, I believe the word that was used was impenetrable. You know, well, we'll just you know, go in, blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, well, the elevator requires a special key that can't be duplicated. We'll blow the hinges off the door, triggering explosives set inside them and kill us all. We'll drill into the lock, which would pierce the acid core, spraying into the elevator, killing us all. We'll dig a hole, which would trip the 3,000-volt mechanism underground, and then they say a final, and kill us all, together. Right. Across town, Chadwick and Frost discuss stealing the same bombs. (laughs) At the SSR office, after an awkward moment about Seuss's proposal, Carter asks him about getting a disguise to go after Hugh Jones. They drop by Samberly, who gives her a memory inhibitor, which after they get only after greasing the wheel with a slice of pie. This item basically makes someone forget the last two minutes. Samberly says that they've run it successfully on Jerry. He says, no, you haven't, he says, and then promptly walks into a wall. It does have a small risk of brain damage, and she takes it anyway. It is very funny. The delivery of does have a small risk of brain damage is an incredible delivery of that line. <laughs> yeah. Um, so donning an American accent, oh, she's brought it back. An okay wig. It's their department needs some help. Uh, and the name of Wanda, interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes- You're
1: hitting my notes one by one by one. Like, oh, really? That's so like funny. Like crossing those. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh,
0: she goes to the office and tricks <laughs> Jones for a moment for you know, basically to search for the key while he steps out for lunch. But he recognizes her and comes back triggering a long sequence of her continuously using the memory inhibitor on him as she searches and he keeps coming to. She finds the key in his belt buckle and gives one last hit of the inhibitor for good measure and then rushes out. Chadwick and Frost then meet with Joseph Manfredi. He's great. Things are tense for a bit, but of course he puts his disdain for Chadwick aside because he clearly still has the hots for Frost. Hotch for Frost. Uh, She says if Calvin becomes elected and is interrupted, I know the crowd he runs with. He'll be elected. Okay, well, the freeway proposal contracts, they'll all be his in exchange for some of his men who are good with their hands and discreet to help them move some mm, equipment. Manfredi also wants Chadwick's ties with the paper to keep him and his associates off of the front page. We then take a quick break for Manfredi to mm, just mercilessly pound one of his bodyguards to a bloody pulp for having his eyes on Frost, scaring the other regular patrons at the restaurant. Just They're just there, and they're like, oh. <laughs> Go back to eating their Alfredo. Um, kind of reminiscent of a kingpin moment. Who's that? Oh, stick around. You'll find Ooh. out. <laughs> the heist group then plans, and Daniel Sousa practices disarming the bomb. He mentions that it's not his first time doing so. Wilkes, however, reminds him that this is much worse. One mishandled uranium rod could trigger an explosion that would decimate the entire city. Sounds like a bomb to me, and he fumbles the makeshift bomb and drops it. You just destroyed all of Los Angeles. Okay, well, they need extra help, but who can they trust? Rose, of course. Sousa is unsure, saying he's worried that she has no field experience, and he can't do a good job if he's also worried about keeping her safe. That's funny. I see Daniel Sousa talking, but I'm hearing Jack Thompson. Biting line, by the way. Uh, And then after a quick demonstration of her ability just so happened to happen in the background, uh, Rose is now added to the team. They begin rummaging for tech in the lab when Samberly comes by. He starts to lecture a little bit, saying that one slice of pie doesn't give them free range, yada, yada, yada. And then Rose approaches. You liked my pie? That pie was you? Your pie was in me? i like pie pie is good again incredible delivery yeah susa then tells him that they have an important mission and that they need his help he seems unsure but rose calls him by his first name Aloysius, and reiterates in a new tone that they need his help very well Sousa and carter share a look there's some back and forth about whether or not he can go into the field but samberly really reminds him that he was told he would have an opportunity to do so on missions uh, and that he had 11 job offers after the war, but he chose the SSR because of these opportunities, and that the SSR chose him too. Sousa takes only a moment to think and then just says, okay, fine. Samberly goes, I'll go pack a bag of my toys, which is not the way to say that.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, and as he begins to pack, um, Carter asks how they can make sure that he can be trusted and that he's not in the council's pocket. Sousa says, trust me. Everybody hates Samerly, And then, <laughs> this is why I'm so glad that I picked this one without remembering that this is in the scene initially, because I said from day one I wanted to be a part of this one, because... Horns play! Yeah. <laughs> a slow mo- uh, motion montage uh, happens as the crooning of Bing Crosby serenades us. Lay that pistol down, baby. Lay that pistol down, down. Pistol packing, mama, lay that pistol down. And now the Andrew Sisters come in. lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. Pistol packing, mama, lay that pistol down. Key change. Oh, lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. Pistol pack and mama. Lay that pistol down. In in mama. Mama. Lay Lay that down. right okay i had to sing the whole thing because i love that song the best parts of this little thing though are that on that big pause that i sang right that is where samberly immediately trips and rose catches him so it's like oh look at this cool team and then he immediately is like oh no and she's like i got you and then they get to the street for that kind of like final team pose. And she goes, Mr. Jarvis, where's the car? He goes, oh, right. It's around the corner. The street street cleaning. Well, one moment. And then they all have to stand there awkwardly and wait for him to return with the car. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break here, James. Uh-huh. I'm going to cut this, uh, this long clip here in half so we can just talk okay. about the first half. Because the high stuff is like a whole other feeling. So let's get through the planning stuff.
1: This is the beginning of every Mission Impossible movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the beginning of uh, Ocean. All, every Ocean's Eleven movie. And I'm pretty sure uh, Now You See Me and Now You See Me too. Um, We have to do this thing. Oh, we'll just do this. We can't do that. We'll just do this. We can't do that. We'll just do this. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to think on their feet. This is the most challenging thing since the last movie. Um, <laughs> and I love it. And it sucks me in every time. Uh also, I love the um Aloysius, we need to, we need to use your equipment, is what she says, mm-hmm. which is like Rose. Whew. I did send this to Colin already, so he already knows what it is. But my note that I'm maybe most proud of of any note I've ever taken is Jarvis may know judo, but Rose has a black belt in Innuendo, which is uh very, very proud of that one. Um well, hmm. No I'm kidding. You yeah, should be. it's yeah. I agree. It's great. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, and then I guess the only other thing with that uh, scene with the re, you know recruiting Samberly is he's like I was told when I got hired that I'd have an opportunity to use my skills in the field. And Daniel Sousa's like, who told you that? He's like, you, you did. did. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he's like, who told you that? He goes by you. And he's like, <clears throat> the the face that Sousa makes. <laughs> It's great because he tries to do this thing where it's like, I mean, listen, you got to remember, I saw a lot of recruits, you know, like, yeah. and he's like, yeah, but you chose me. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, listen, Sam really goes about some stuff incorrectly at times, but I yeah. think that every point that he makes is correct and valid. Sure. I need to be very clear on
1: that. There's just there's a separate sitcom going on with Sousa and Samberly that I'm really, really in love with among this, like filtered among this secret agent sort of spy heist thing. Uh, which is like if if Sousa had been like ooh yeah. and like tugged his collar, it would have been weird. There well, there would have been a but a not laugh out of place for sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He would have yeah, he um, would
0: have taken his recreational time and gone. Ooh, yeah, ee,
1: ee. Ooh. Um no I would say The we'll talk about when we when we talk about Camarino, but uh, I love him in everything, and he's always sort of this character, yeah. Which is, I might kill you, or I might be your ally, or both, or neither. Like he's always
0: kind of like a guy who's just a little unhinged, yeah. You know, but he's also like weirdly charming.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and this day i like that this day is bookended by uh chadwick sneaking off to do something like it's like doo, 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 but we'll get to that mm-hmm. to the other book end of that later uh i think let me check my notes just real quick and i think that's it though Let's see recreation ty jerry wanda uh i think everything else that i have is either in the second half or part of avengers ensemble uh being a tool of the patriarchy. Go ahead, real quick. Did you have pie? I didn't. Oh my god, I didn't even clock that. Um, I didn't. Okay. Did you let, have pie?
0: Yes, but not apple pie because I don't like. Here, let's just do Red. this. Let's do a quick. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm second. Can
1: you do a, a remix of Marvelicious that is Colin doesn't like apple pie? Because I feel like we're going to, this isn't the first or last time that we're going to talk about apple pie.
0: Yeah, I, yeah for and sure. And just
1: went like a little bit, and Colin doesn't like apple pie, dun, 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 or something right.
0: like that. Right. Yeah, some, yeah. Something like that for sure. Let's do a very fast version of mm, Marvelicious slash Marvelous.
1: Okay. I am astounded.
0: So, James, here's the situation at hand. Uh unfortunately you did forget to eat pie.
1: I mean, listen, I think I've eaten enough pie in That's, our friendship okay. to make I was gonna a- say that
0: was gonna be my next <laughs> statement, which is although I do think that you and I have both eaten enough pie in our lives to yeah. know what pie is like and how that we can talk about right. it. My other thing is that I'm not a big apple pie guy, but I do enjoy a good pie. So sure. what I wanna just do is is just say, if you were Samberly. Yes. And, you know, you were going to be buttered up to be given, you know, to to, to give out a piece of your technology to someone. What kind of pie would someone need to give to you to make you go, you know what? This is a worthy
1: trade. Sure. Go ahead. The answer is uh, both no pie and any pie. The very offering of any pie, I'd be like, "Oh, come on!" Uh, but the answer is truly, I can't think of. Let me try and think of a pie. I can't really think of a pie that wouldn't uh, wouldn't do it. I think that your best bets are in the cherry apple, um, you know, like a blueberry sort of your fruit sort of sort of pies. But I'll also eat a you know a pecan or a pumpkin or mm-hmm. a you know a lemon meringue. Sure. Like you know I, I'm into I'm into I'm into it. Pie is good. Pie is good. Yeah. Pie is good. The way he listen. Time is weird, but yeah. pie is. Yeah, that's exactly good. what it
0: is. Uh, <laughs> the way he sorry. I like the first two lines because it's like kind of excitement. That pie was you. Your pie was in me, right? And then he kind of realizes right. what he said. And without fully like it happens clearly internally without hitting his face because then he goes, "I like pie, right?" Like as if like yeah. this is a great line, and then goes, "Pie is shit. How do I keep her roped here for a second? Good, like it's almost yeah. a question, but not quite." Because
1: um, he he's he's stumbling over himself because of the way she worded it. Yes. It oh, sounds for sure. Like, but he also is still talking about the pie that she made, yes. so you can't. Like it's it yeah it's it's it's, ha- it's it's half and half you know it's like masterful yeah Rose the master, uh, so yeah. What about you? For me,
0: I would definitely say
1: I take notes here.
0: Um, I so we actually just refound the recipe finally after years of it being missing. Um, but my grandmother used to make my favorite pie in the world, which is a chocolate coconut pecan pie. Yum! It's amazing. Straight up to the point where for years, they would be like, what do you want for your birthday? And I'd be like, don't even bother shopping. Just make me just me. Like not a pie for everyone else to have. I would like my own chocolate coconut pecan pie.
1: So like I would frequently
0: make two. So it's like my family could have one and they would all have one. And I would just have one of my own.
1: Very Nice. I I recommend doing what I did, which is to have a family that none of them like pie, mm, so every pie is a pie that's just for you. So that's a good point. That's a, um, yeah.
0: Another thing that I really love is uh, so my cousin Sam is also like really into baking a bunch of different you know baked goods like during the holidays and stuff like that, uh, and usually every year she tries some sort of new thing, but one of the things that she discovered like ages ago and has now become a staple at the very least for Thanksgiving. Is an Oreo pie, um, yeah. because it's it's like three ingredients. It's just you get an Oreo crust, you do it's like whipped cream something and then crumbled uh, Oreos. You mix it up it's real Mario good.
1: Pie. Oreo yeah. pie. What Oreo else is that? Exact, pretty
0: much. <laughs> and then you like. I don't think you freeze. it, I think you just cool it so that it kind of forms a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's delicious. Uh, it's it's like super easy, and it makes me think that like I. Definitely know that I can make it. I just basically I'm always like, it's just going to be special because at Thanksgiving, I know I'm going to have like five slices um, because we will literally the next day go out to buy more makings to make another one. We're that kind of folks. Um, and then another option, honestly, is just normal pecan pie. Do love a good coconut custard pie.
1: Mm-hmm, okay. Um, I don't think I've had that.
0: There are like literal like like chocolate cream pies are very good. Uh, but here's a trick one for you. Boston cream pie, okay, technically a cake, but right, it is quite delicious. So
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, include it. You know what? You're going to post a Jin Ricky uh, bonus content later on in the.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna try and have it time. I would like to have it on the day that that episode comes out, based on the availability of my friend. Might be a couple of days off, but we're gonna be posting something about it. Yeah, uh,
1: maybe I'll maybe I'll there's a. a a pie shop in Leesburg where I live uh, that's called mom's apple pie, which has fantastic pies. And also Colin is on a part of Leesburg where two roads split off like this. Mm -hmm. So it is literally at a pie slice.
0: Oh, that's very cool.
1: It's I, I mean, I can't think of like, what a unique thing. So I may get uh, maybe a slice from that and, and have that in sort of a similar gin Ricky way.
0: Well, I mean like, when are you
1: planning on going listen anytime it's in my town because like i'll be in oh. town
0: for a little bit so
1: like we yeah. could just go together dude yeah for sure can i tell you real quick about a, a dessert i made for for a drama club meeting one time it's really quick uh and, no let's put uh, on. no I'm kidding please yes great. no no go, uh, go ahead if this if this needs to be bonus content that's totally totally fine uh we had a drama meeting a drama club like i think it was like maybe elections or like awards night or whatever it was awards night um you know, any excuse for teenagers to pat each other on the back. Um, so I was, I signed up to do desserts and I was like, what am I going to do? So what I did was, Colin, I, because listen, I'm not going to do all sorts of work to put all sorts of ingredients together. So what I did was I took, you know, those, uh, those chocolate pop tarts. Mm-hmm. So I cut those up. Into little squares and put toothpicks in each one of them, put it in the fridge and brought it in as a dessert, and it was popular. <laughs>
0: I'm so mad for some reason about that.
1: Yeah. I know I, no, I should I'm, so, but... I'm so mad for some reason about that. It's like you know high school James. <laughs> I just <laughs> uh, for so many reasons. Well, the sweetest troll, I think, is is a good description of James Anderson in high school. Just really, really sweet. But wait, did he just? Yes, and you're, and did you just? Yes, the littlest of stinkers, if you will. Exactly. Um, well, I wasn't. No, I don't think that that's true. That's very tall, like a tall. Yeah. Okay. Very tall. Okay, sure. Yeah, Yeah. I get that. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. So.
1: We will have pie. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Pie so, good. but I, I think at the end of the day, again, we've all had pie. You know it. You love it. It's pie.
1: Yeah. Right? It's yeah.
0: Good stuff. So, anyway, thanks for dropping by this segment. Let's move on to the second half of the section of TV that we're talking about. Let's do it. The rest of this episode slash the little minute of the next episode. They get the drop on some guards using some tech from Samberly, and then they make their way down the elevator. They find another dropped guard, and they go, hmm, Frost is already here. They unlock the doors, and then Rose takes on some guards, uh, and the rest bake it to the bomb. Uh, while trying to provide some cover and such, Samberly does end up locking the door, and Jarvis is now the only one in the room who can take care of the bomb. Sousa walks around. Nope, sorry. Sousa walks him through it from the other side of the door, saying, It's just like taking a souffle out of the oven. Probably. Carter goes on to take on some more guards. Jarvis successfully gets the first bomb taken care of. That was nothing like taking care of a souffle. No, wait, he says that later. Sorry. Um, yes, it is. I, I just said it and then I remember that it's in my notes. So here we go. Yeah, the first bomb taken care of. And he's like, okay, good. He's like, great. Now we just got to do it again. And he's kind of like, what? I mean, doesn't quite <laughs> say that, but it's that reaction, right? Peggy then realizes where Frost is and she goes after her uh, as Jarvis gets the second bomb packed away. Carter tries to reason with her and says, sorry, but ends up saying the wrong thing, angering Frost, and they begin to fight. The door unlocks and Jarvis has the bombs uh, strapped to his back and says, that was nothing like taking out a souffle. Very quietly and then just sort of of walks on. Walks on, rocks on. Uh, Frost gets a hand on Carter and begins to absorb her. Carter knocks her away, but in the resulting push, she goes over the edge of a platform. Frost says, I'm sorry, Miss Carter, but not everyone is cut out for Hollywood. Ooh, good Good villain line. line. And then sort of, you know, using her foot, pushes pushes her feet or her hands off of yeah. the ledge and Peggy falls and gets impaled on some rebar Oof. and the, the, the recut of that scene where you see the drop and then it cuts back to Sousa entering the room on the downstairs floor to watch the body fall and like behind crates and you hear the thud when he goes, Peggy, and it's like, Ooh, you feel yeah.
1: that? Oof, that is some iron man.
0: Boo! <laughs> uh, and so uh, he runs <laughs> over see. to her, Sousa gets her, uh, and they go to Violet's house. After some high tensions and a lot of like, you should be going to the hospital. No, a hospital's bad. No, she can't go to a hospital. Really, you know, you shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be doing this. Okay, well, fine, get me some linen, right? Like, it, it's, it's yeah. like a chaotic ER scene. Not like the sure. TV show ER, but I guess also like ER. Uh, yeah. But like, it's in a living room, yeah? Uh, so then uh, she does some quick work and she gets fixed up. Sorry, Violet does some quick work and Carter gets fixed up. Susa is then looking after Carter and they have a brief moment. Violet sees the way that he looks and talks to her and then finally joins them and tells her about her injuries, about her recovery. And then Jarvis begins to take her home and she's like, I really think that you should just stay with me for a couple of days. She's like, no, no, I couldn't possibly ask any more of you. Just Carter, of course, being so gracious and so kind. Right. You know, so it's like you can't be mad at her, right? Right. Um, and then after Jarvis takes her home, Violet and Sousa talk about his feelings for Carter. It's a lot of classic lines that you would see in like a you know, rom-com kind of situation uh, or whatever. But then she ends up you know giving him the line of, you told me you wanted a fresh start. He's like, it's not like that. And then she says, I believe you are still in love with her. And the look of just like pain and <laughs> the pain and just like, I don't know what to describe this as, but it's like a thing of like, he can't deny it, but it's also that right. he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't love her as well or whatever. It's, it's, right. it's like, what, what do you possibly say here? Right. Uh, so back at the Stark, um, back at the Stark, Est- okay, let me try this one more time. Back at the Stark estate, Jarvis helps Carter to bed and before leaving says, these adventures... They're only enjoyable if you return from them, Miss Carter. And then walks out. Very cute. Very wholesome. Very nice. Wilkes uh, and her talk about her pain and about zero matter, where it comes from. Uh, He talks about how it's from a dark place, all these other things. And she says, how do you know about that? A conversation for another night. I want to be loved plays. And they share a brief tender moment. And she's like, oh, it's your song. And he goes, I want to be loved. And I was like, who wouldn't want to be, right? And they're like, oh. And then suddenly- Jason Wilkes begins to fade. At the start of the next episode, he finds himself in kind of like another dimension, right? Like he's sort of superimposed on another moment on top of a moment.
1: Like he's Um, in an aha video. A
0: little bit. Uh, (laughs) And he has completely ignored Peggy essentially and has turned over his shoulder and is sort of beckoning and reaching and going for something we can't quite see and the whole time peggy is calling for him and it starts off quiet muffled and then eventually it kind of starts to get louder and echoing throughout the space and she effectively pulls him back in or out or whatever yeah um and he snaps back you know and uh they're talking about the situation she says that it's okay you know he's back and he says it's not okay uh that he's being called by something dark and there's no way of knowing what will happen next? They talk about how to contain some zero matter within him permanently to make himself tangible the way that he was temporarily tangible when he took some of the zero matter out of a chunk of body from Jane Scott's body. And he realizes, wait a minute, that could work. And they begin to plan. Um.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. Thoughts? Thoughts. Uh, I think that my primary thought is, uh, well, I have two primary thoughts. Rose is the MVP of this season. Mm-hmm. She can fight. She can seduce. She can do a pep talk. She can do anything that any of the rest of them can do. And and then also more. Like right. when Peggy's like, she protects us, all of us. Rose is the, is the, is Heimdall of the, of, of the SSR. And she really is,
0: you know? Like, yeah. With the opening of the door and gate coming, yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. Also weirdly in, involved in and some awesome. of the main characters' lives, where it's like, <laughs> right. Heimdall, yeah, I, I broke up with her. What? Oh, that was a bad, I foresee that was a bad move. Mm-hmm. All right, that was my Heimdall impression. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Idris, look out, buddy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> A young upstart trying to take all Idris Elba's roles in a very problematic way, uh, <laughs> and then the other, the other thing is that I mean, like Violet is, is a hero. Yeah, I mean, like she, she's what you want in a nurse, coming to my home, even though, like, I'm, I'm sweet and nice and great, and also, oh crud, you're I see that you're having this effect on my fiance that we've been fiancéed for for uh, less than 24 hours mm-hmm. and still, like, you know, Hippocratic Oath, just like, I will take care of you because that's who I am. So good.
0: I, I will say, to be I clear, I think that in that situation, she at no point is like, Carter is, like, trying to take away my man, which no, I think is no. also good. You know? Yeah. It is. It, I'm not saying that even Sousa is necessarily at fault i know that sounds like this is just a complication. jack is at fault (laughs) Uh, for sure i would definitely agree with that (laughs) um but like this is a situation though where it's like i think he is trying to move past and stuff like that and like
1: yeah
0: maybe he wasn't fully truthful with her but also like at the time carter wasn't even around so like why was it necessary to get into that you know um but then carter shows up so i get why it's like hey maybe i should let you know whatever um I will say though that like Violet is truly like she is awesome for sure. She's an MVP. You know, yeah. love her. She's great.
1: Hey, Violet and Rose hmm. are two flowers.
0: That's uh, that. Yes, that's exactly. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I wish Anna was a flower.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's an but Anna flower. She's not.
1: Hmm. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So
0: I have uh, an in the comics.
1: Yep. Okay. For
0: someone. I think you have an Avengers ensemble.
1: Who's Man Freddy? Yeah. Do you have a Who's Man Freddy? Yeah.
0: Good, huh? Um, and uh, so we have both of those two segments. Is there anything else that we have to.
1: I have a, an Avengers ensemble.
0: Right. That's what I was saying. Okay. Yes. yes, yes. Uh, uh, oh, no. Actually, I have one final note just about the stuff that we watched Um, that I, I didn't really get into just in like the the shorter version, but I will say I truly love, you know, you were talking about how good Rose is at like pep talks and stuff like that. Like Samberley does slightly start to fall apart of the seams in this. Cause at fir- at first he's really confident and he has some wins early on, but then yeah. it, you know, it starts getting tense. It's, it's getting dangerous. Right. So like, when he and I will say he does open up a panel, looks at wires and is like, "Whoa!" because it is clearly not well organized. Yeah, because like usually there's wire management, and that is right. not managed at all. So he's like, "I can try, but this is going to take a minute, right?" So he starts being like, "Ah, blue, yellow, and then here's the green," and he's like trying to follow stuff, and he's like. Seuss is not helping because he's like, no, And he's like, ah, I'm how's, trying, you know.
1: How's the door opening going? How's the not us, how's the us not exploding going? That is
0: such a good bit, right? Because when he says, <laughs> how's, going, how's the door opening going? And he fires back with that and he goes, all right, fair enough. right? And then he goes back to doing the thing. Uh, but like, when he starts being like, oh, because he messes something up and it goes wrong. And then he goes, I'm a failure. My father was right. I'm never going to be anything. And then when she's like, hey you know, let's, let's give it one more go. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, Rose, yeah. And Rose, I think that when this is over, you and I just focus on the door. I goes, no, you know what? Yeah, you're right, you're right. You're, yep, sorry. <laughs> yep, sorry, focusing, focusing, focusing. Rose is,
1: oh, she's the... Uh, she's great. Like, uh, she is. she just did with her personal life what she's been doing for years with the SSR, which is this is the appropriate boundary. Right. And now, nope, 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 that's too far. Let's push it back.
0: <laughs> What's also great is that when she comes back to start, you know, talking to him and like giving him a pep talk, the whole time she is holding a giant knife in her hand that she got from beating up this one guard who, by the way, speaking of being like the queen of innuendo, when yeah. he, when she first I've goes seen. up against him and he pulls out a knife, she goes, I've seen bigger. And he gets like really angry about that because of course,
1: you know, fragile masculinity. Uh, Do you, She's the she's the replacement for that old lady in Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we've talked about that. because The other one got shot to me. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be replaced. And Rose like, hi, I'm Rose. What's up? <laughs> I'm trained just like all the rest of you.
0: Exactly. I also think it's so funny. Like one of the ongoing bits that they do for a while, and I don't believe they do it again after this episode But, like, a lot of the times, like, they rarely show the front door, quote-unquote, to the SSR here, which is a talent agency. But every time we do see Rose in the talent agency, she is dealing with – because she makes the comment of, like, we don't advertise. It's spelled wrong. It's not in the thing, right? Like, and yet people find us, right? Every time we find her, she is, like, having to deal with some new group being, like, here's my bit and here's my show. You should hire me. Talent go, right? And she's like, stop, right? You got to stop. And so in this one, the thing that she does to show that she's ready for the thing is like, they don't show what happens. But I assume that he's like, well, let me just go back to the office. It's like, I know you think I'm not good enough, but let me talk to your boss. And then she's like, oh, no, you won't. And then she starts getting into a tussle and you hear an instrument clang. And they turn around and she's just tossing a man around the room and throws him like into the glass. And it's that he doesn't like shatter the glass, but it's that thing with the glass that kind of goes. As it kind of like yeah. bulges out a little bit as the guy hits it and falls to the ground, and then she goes, "Hi!" and just kind of waves. Oh, hi, yeah. Oh, hi, hey. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, Rose is on the team." Yeah.
1: It's it's, it's probably stuff. bulletproof glass. It is for sure. That's probably that's yeah. why it doesn't shatter. Never thought about that. Huh? What if she just fucking thrown him through a plate glass window?
0: I would have ruled. I mean, would have, <laughs> people would then probably would have gone, "Hmm, well, what's going on there? Uh, what's <laughs> going on in that building?"
1: Well, I could. Well, that's a talent agency. Cool.
0: Well, I guess uh, they're, they're like, hang on. Well, there it, there used to be a logo on the window, but the window's not. Oh, convenient sign above. <laughs> you know that two two step thing you were looking for? Well, listen to this. <laughs> uh, so let's do Avengers Ensemble, James.
1: Okay, cool. Avengers Ensemble. We got some bit parts and we got some big parts. Ooh. Um. The first person we're going to talk about is the guy that plays Jerry, and if you've forgotten who he is, uh, he's the guy that uh, that they tried the thing on, the flashy thing, the men, the early prototype of the Men in Black thing. Uh, he is played by a guy named Jimmy Ambrose, and he was in a movie called Karma Police, which is also the name of Radiohead song, and that's it. Uh, he's in other stuff, but like that was the thing that stood out to me uh next up on the credits we have the incredibly appropriately named bombshell secretary gross yeah uh she doesn't get a name jerry gets a name but anyway she's played by a character or she's played by an actor she's played she's played by an actress named alexandra vino uh and she doesn't really have any geeky stuff to speak of a lot of sort of police and law procedural kind of stuff uh bordering on, I almost wrote some stuff down, but like nothing really jumped out of me. Uh, Joe Manfredi is played by Ken Marino. Uh, Among his huge filmography, like uh, he was in one episode of Big City Greens, 13 episodes of Veronica Mars, three episodes of iZombie, where he essentially played the same character as he did in Veronica Mars, uh, one episode of Ghosted, 23 episodes of Axe Cop, uh, he was in the movie In a World, um, which is Lake Bell is the is a female voice actress and he's the rival male voice actor that's trying to take over the In a World. Like uh, that, yeah. that guy's job, and she's trying to get that job too. But it's all about like how voice acting is a really tough gig for women because you can't Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. Check it out. It's on Hulu. Uh he was in one episode of the league and it surprised me because I would have if I would have bet right. that he was in ha all yeah i that he was in all of the league like he yeah. is right in there with all of those guys uh two episodes i wrote two episodes when charmed don't know why i wrote when uh he was in one episode of angel and he was in the movie gattaca which i don't remember him being in uh but i think i saw the last time i saw gattaca i didn't know who he was so may have to give that one a rewatch uh next up the one-man band who gets his ass kicked by rose is played by a guy named max daniels uh just real quick aside um my my friend Riley had a friend and he's also my friend to a lesser extent because I didn't go to high school with him named Max Daniels who is one of the most energetic and positive people that I've ever met in my life. I did check this is not him. So not him. Uh he is a stunt actor primarily. So here's my new rule for stunts uh Colin. Okay. For stunt actors that's like oh, I'm also in these other things but mostly I have like 300 stunt credits. If it's literally a thing we're going to cover on Timeline Scavengers. Okay. Marvel, like Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. I'm going to mention it. So this guy did stunts in Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, The Punisher, Agent Carter, Ant Man, Agents of Shield, one episode of The Mentalist, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Iron Man.
0: Okay. So one of these things. We've is not established
1: like the that the mentalist is in the MCU. <laughs> okay, sure. Mentalist Cinematic Universe. Um <laughs> Uh, and he was in—he was actors in one episode of Agents of Shield, one episode of Henry Danger, which I'll remind you is the superhero show my kids like. Uh, he was in the movie Heat and True Lies, so it's—it's it's weird that he then has this like early to mid '90s action uh, career. It's not wild; he's a stuntman, but like, it's—it's it's weird credit to see. I'm like that Heat, and it's like yeah, that Heat. Um, the on guard, who is presumably one of the ones that gets taken out. There's yeah. only one credited maybe he plays all three. Um is played by a guy named Ryan Sturs. Uh he did stunts in Eternals, Agents of Shield, Captain Marvel, Agent Carter, uh and then he was an actor in The New Quantum Leap, uh Logan and he played Flea in Celebrity Death Match back in uh 2000.
0: Interesting, okay. Uh
1: Agent Ryan who is the person that talks at Sousa's like congratulations, here's a here's some pie or you know, whatever, for being a fiance now. Uh I think, I know that, I don't know, cut this, but like, I know that Vega and someone else become like Thompson's like henchmen. Right. I don't think it's I Ryan, don't, but it might I be. Don't,
0: I don't think it's him. Um, okay, hang on real fast. A, a side note, because you just said something that reminded me of something that I didn't make a note of, but I was going to mention. Do you ever recognize though, that the engagement party for Sousa has some reminiscence of the uh, Peggy Peggy's uh, engagement party that also technically didn't work out. Yeah, uh, in like just the previous episode.
1: Just hey, everyone don't have uh, don't have engagement parties.
0: Mm-hmm. As
1: as I mean, like similar types
0: it. of jokes too, where it's like, "Oh, didn't think you had it in you," kind of thing, right? Yeah, you know, like, and then she's like, "Oh, well, you know."
1: What's all this then? Yeah.
0: What's all yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah, he's the one that ta- that basically, like, is the main one that speaks. He was uh, he's played by a guy named Christopher Allen, who was in one episode of American Horror Story, and various other things. Like, listeners know this, but just to reiterate, when I say they're in something, it's not a comprehensive list. It's what I've picked out. If it is all that, that if it is a comprehensive list, I'll often say, and that's it. So, don't get me wrong all you christopher allen fans out there um the goon who i think is the one that man like beats up i looked at a picture it looks sort of like him uh is played by a guy named melosi leonard uh he's also a stuntman which is also why i feel like he is the one that gets beaten up uh he's done stunts in ms marvel agents of shield agent carter captain america winter soldier thor iron man 2 uh, and he was an actor in one episode of Grim, one episode one episode of Sons of Anarchy, and uh in the movie Planet Terror. Uh and then weirdly, sort of like we did uh for C- episode five when we had Ty on, uh we're going to introduce an episode that does start in this scene. Um But you know, you'll see. So this up ep- the season Two episode six is called "Life of the Party." It aired on February sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. It was directed by Craig Zisk, so he also directed uh, season two episode five, and then Eric Pearson, who has we've seen a number of times. Uh, he also directed. He also wrote part of uh, Thor Ragnarok, and I think he's written like two other Agent Carter episodes that we've talked about. Um, neither of them have any like career updates, especially Craig Zisk, since we talked about him uh, last episode. Or yeah, last episode. So, no career updates in the uh, in the two days since you last heard his name mentioned. And that's all that I have for Avengers Ensemble.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, let's get ready for a rousing game of Who's Man Freddy? Just kidding. It's in I the comics, it. but still.
1: Oh. Uh, oh.
0: Listen. This was something that was fun because this was not exactly what I was expecting. Joseph Manfredi was born in Orlando, Florida, and is the son of Silvio Manfredi, better known as the crime lord Silvermane.
1: Oh, Silvio Manfredi, Silvio Manfredi. Right.
0: Uh, Manfredi uh, was first debuted in Daredevil number 118 on November 1974. Uh, his nickname is Joe Silvermane because of her, his father. Sure. Uh, his other alias is Giuseppe Manfredi, uh, which sure. not sure.
1: That's probably his. He, his name is probably Giuseppe Manfredi, and he goes by Joe.
0: Well, Joseph is is his, his, apparently his actual given name. So oh. I wonder if Giuseppe is like when he goes
1: to Italy or whatever. Because Giuseppe is John, I believe, in Italian.
0: Uh, maybe, perhaps. I think I. I don't actually I believe know. Believe it is, uh, but. Here's another interesting thing for you, right? Like this is, I'm burying the lead like crazy. Do you know that he has an alias though? I didn't. Uh, Joseph Panfredi is Blackwing, which is basically just a rip of Batman. Uh, I'm going to send you the link to his um, Marvel page real quick.
1: (laughs) Because you should see this costume. It's the mid seventies. We got to get a Batman.
0: Well, he's a villain, uh, and what yeah, I think is like hilarious Batman. about it is because, again, I think a lot of the times there's kind of conversations about Batman and Daredevil having their names flipped. Right. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff about that. Uh, but what is funny is that uh, just straight up, part, one of the things that he does is he learns to control bats.
1: Boy, he just looks, he just, mm, He just really looks like Batman.
0: He sure does. He, he really sure does. I'll include the link in the notes. Um, now, some like, of his earlier designs aren't quite as Batman-like because he doesn't have a cape at one point. But once they oh, gave I've read him that the cape, comic, what's that?
1: I've read that comic. Oh yeah, he's part of the Circus of Crime, right? He is. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, he was also a part of the Skeleton Crew for a little while, and also, I believe, yep, the Masters of Evil. Um.
1: <laughs> it's like and the bands he's been in.
0: What I love about this is just simply, like, here, here are his abilities. I just think it's really funny the way this is worded. Marksman. Manfredi is also a skilled marksman. Okay? Makes sense. Got it, yeah. Bat trainer. Manfredi is an expert trainer of bat. Not bats. <laughs> they just It should say bats, but the way they go, expert trainer of bat. Uh, his equipment, mutated bats. Manfredi has had... Sorry. I'm going to read this again, word for word. Manfredi has a has a number of spe- uh, specially mutated bats bred for abnormal strength, size, and intelligence. And then finally, a black wing suit. Manfredi wears a costume consisting of synthetic stretch fabric over chainmail body armor. Devices in his costume give him the power of flight for short distances via directed motional hovering. Um, so not quite unlike Batman, but a little bit different in that regard. Uh, But, yeah, so, like, he is this, like, unhinged, uh, you know, actual mobster who then also at one point is like, but, oh, hey, what if I could fly like a bat, though? Wouldn't wouldn't that be a little fun? (laughs)
1: Like, hey, pa, watch this, you know? Um, You come to me on the day of my costume fitting. Exactly.
0: And part of his whole thing is, like, trying to, like, impress his father and, like, you know be trusted with his father to do more of the things of like the family organization and the family crime and all that other stuff. It's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fun. Uh, but that's man, Freddie. And you know, this will, I'll do this pretty quick. Cause I think we've mentioned it briefly before we've mentioned Roxanne sort of briefly in some other episodes, but we've never actually, I think read anything about them on the show. Okay. Which is kind of fascinating. So I just want to give a real fast uh, breakdown on it. Since I, I made that realization when I was looking at that giant Roxon sign, um, right. Which I also love is that they give an actual um, Roxon Energy Corporation has a uh, a trade like ticker, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, NYSE colon ROX uh, sure. is a American multinational oil and gas corporation headquartered at the One Roxon Plaza in Manhattan, New York City. Uh, but they obviously have other, uh, you know, other locations and such uh, because they do at some point have a Western branch and everything like that. Uh, it's a situation that's been they've they've they're kind of like a, an evil company, right? I mean, like they have their hands right. in everything not unlike. Well, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Roxxon has been involved in many activities, morally questionable or illegal, including blatant violent crimes. But this fact was unknown to most consumers and the general public. In the early 21st century, the, com- uh, the corporation's annual revenue exceeded $500 billion and employed over 100,000 men and women operated in 28 countries. Um, it was, in fact, created by Hugh Jones, the person who uh, started off with like, kind of like a business enter- enterprise and became its chairman. He was also, at one point, abducted by the Serpent Squad and saved by Captain America, which is fun. Uh, so it's had a bunch of little history stuff here, and it debuted for the first time ever in Captain America number one eighty in September of nineteen seventy four, uh, and that that's really it. That's I didn't really get too far into anything, but uh, I will say that my favorite little fun fact trivia thing, and it's like it's pretty obvious. I feel like uh, one of the guys that created it, Steve Englehart just said that they named Roxon after the oil company Exxon.
1: Exxon, yeah, um, I, yeah. I did check to see when the Exxon Valdez oil spill was, and it was in uh, 89. So it, this wasn't a direct response to that. It was just in response to it being an evil oil company.
0: Pretty much. Because um, it existed even before World War II. So by World War II, it had become a major Northeastern U.S. supplier uh, and so on like that. And it was um, formed originally by J.T. Jones, which is, I believe, the father of Hugh Jones, a ruthless Texan oil magnate. Uh, and uh, upon his death, the control of the company went to his son, Hugh Jones, who took control of both Roxxon Oil Company and the Republic Oil and Natural Gas and merged them to create the Roxxon Energy Company. So uh, that's Roxxon. Uh, you know, I don't need to get too much more into it. I think that's just, you know, it's a yeah, name that you're going to hear again. Oh, yeah. Which is why I wanted to sort of mention that. It, it is, of course, something that's from the comics and right. you're going to, they get mentioned uh, For quite sure. a bit. You know, for sure. Um, but that's all that I have. Cool. So unless you have anything else,
1: um, I think we can. I run. don't believe I do. I can uh, I can take us out west. Yeah, if you, let's head if out you, west. That's where we should go. All right. Here we go. All right. I'm going to talk about the Patreon and that is at patreon.com slash the scavengers network. Uh, Two dollars a month on up to a million dollars a month gets you access to all the bonus content. Uh, we have uh, full episodes that you can't get anywhere else. We have full shows you can't get anywhere else. There's also video content and written content and audio content like outtakes or uh, you know tangents that didn't make our show. Um, I know that Aaron and I have put a bunch of stuff up there. There's a bunch of stuff from Wham Juice, uh, you know, um, inspirational sort of things. Uh, if you Daniel recorded this amazing thing for the What Hot American Moon Juice, uh, aspirational things that. I think rivals anything that Night vale ever put up. That's just my opinion, but uh, it is excellent. So uh, patreon.com slash the scavengers network, $2 a month. Uh, get it, you know, soon. Uh, you can listen to the uh, the second annual uh, of the timeline scavengers, which was a very, very fun time. Uh, that is going to do it for us for today. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, I am James Anderson.
0: I'm Colin Parker.
1: And it should be noted that Werner Reinhardt is still in prison.